Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Will and Jamie share the wins again last weekend in Tassie. To come away with that, I was a little bit shocked. Yeah, it's obviously great to be uh, trading post Falcon to be back on the uh, podium. And we look at what a driver's worth as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. For Dick Johnson Racing, their tough start to the season has continued with this week. Their team manager, Malcolm Swetnam, who announced effective immediately that he was leaving the team to return home to England. Dick Johnson Racing has said that the team will be looking at their management structure with the aim of having a new structure in place before the team departs for the third round of the championship in New Zealand in two weeks' time. Jamie Winkup has kept his winning streak alive after spinning in the hairpin at Tassie. He drove back up through the field to take a remarkable victory. The spin looked better from the outside, actually, because... I, I, I locked the rears on the brakes. I was, was going to have a go at Will, and then he broke late, and then I hit the brakes hard. Locked the rears, mashed the pe- mashed the throttle. Lucky enough, it had enough revs to get the get the wheel spinning. Around I went, and off I uh, off I went. So um, I asked the guys if I could do a burnout after the race. They said, "No, no, you've already done it." Win Cups finish on Saturday in third, and backing it up with a win on Sunday sees him second in the championship, behind his great mate Will Davison by eighteen points. Us on the line is the winner at Tasmania in race number four, Jamie Winkup. Jamie, so far this year you've gone for the uh, 11 degree of difficulty to take your wins, a three-stop strategy at Clipsal, a spin and win at Tassie. Don't you just like winning races these days without having to put some extra hurdles in front of you? Yeah, I, I, I like the sound of that. You're, you're exactly right. We've, um, we've certainly done it the hard way, the two victories this year. One... Uh, one was, as you say, the three-stop strategy, which uh, requires just absolutely flat out from everyone um, until the last lap. And, and of course, I made it difficult for myself uh, at Tassie with a, with a spin halfway through the race. But at the end of the day, a win's a win, and we're, um, we're proud to have uh, won 50% so far. SBR's solid performance continued this weekend. Shane Van Gisbergen finishing in second. His teammates, Tim Slade and Lee Holsworth, both in the top six in race four. Yeah, it's a pretty good uh, lift for the boys. It's great to get back on the podium. We were good at Albert Park, good here, so see how we go next week. Will Davison's victory on Saturday was perhaps soured by a collision with Triple Eight driver Craig Lowndes on Sunday, but he battled on and took out 
third place. It's a great haul of points, another podium. Uh, it's a bit of a shame to have a touch with Lounsey there early, which uh, you never want to see that. This week, Nissan will release at the New York Motor Show their new Altima. It's the car which is believed will be the base for the Kelly Racing Nissan car of the future. Rick Kelly and John Crennan have travelled to the USA to be at the launch. Meanwhile, Todd Kelly remains in the workshops at Brayside, Victoria, working on the new cars. Interestingly, in the last car sales data, Nissan outsold Ford. So will Nissan be the second manufacturer and Ford the third in 2013? Greg Murphy was unable to race in Tassie. The King of New Zealand is expected to run in Hamilton in two weeks' time and is waiting to make a decision on whether he'll run at the next round of the New Zealand Super Touring Series ahead of the V8 Supercar event. David Russell was called in to drive the Pexy Max Commodore down there on the Apple Isle. You know, this time last week I got a call and, and it was, um, what are you up to this weekend um, from Todd Kelly? And he uh, he basically just said, you know, look, this is what's happened with Murph. And, um, you know, it's... It was a great weekend. We'll have more from David Russell as we go wrestling in the main game on this week's White Flag Lap. Garth Tander sent David Reynolds a text message on Sunday to say he was sorry for the collision that damaged the Bottolo Falcon in race four. But that didn't stop the stewards handing out the HRT lead driver a 25-point penalty for careless driving. Meanwhile... The officials did not review the incident between Davison and Lowndes, but the fans have been vocal with Davison copping heaps on social media. The matter not helped by the comments of former champion Mark Scaife during the television coverage. Lowndes also talked about the incident. What we started with, uh, we didn't finish with it. Uh, we had our altercation with uh, Will probably too early and I think that he was starting to struggle whether it was tyres or something going on and uh, we had good pace we wanted to get by him and uh, so whether I was a bit uh, uh, I suppose eager to get by him or whether it's something going on but uh, of course you know contact and the boys are uh, repairing the car to put it back in the transport to head at home so not the finish we wanted. That's all the news this week on the V8 Insiders after the break Andrew Clark and Tony Shebecki will wrap up Simmons Plains when we return on the V8 Insiders. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from SEN's On The Grid, it's Tony Shebecki. Good evening, Shebecks. Good evening to you, Craig. And from V8X Magazine, it's the man who potted just about half the V8 supercar field in one way or another in the last issue of V8X, Andrew Clark. Good evening, Andrew. 
today. I think that's one of the best intros I've had in a long time. Yes, well, I'm thinking on Mark Fogarty. Well, it was a, it was a great piece of journalism. We might start with that because you've unveiled the amount drivers are being paid, and it's certainly got chins wagging. With James Courtney getting paid, was it six hundred thousand dollars more a year than his teammate, who was. Uh, well, been in the last two years well in front of him on the racetrack. Yeah, I think it was 500000 but um, the main difference there um, from, from all of the different sources that I spoke to is that the big difference is that Gus Tander doesn't want to do all the extra bits and pieces, whereas James Courtney is happy to fly around the country doing all the PR exercises and so forth. Um, and I think you know, if you're measuring it purely on on-track performance, you'd say that you'd have Garth Tander earning more money than James Courtney, but James Courtney, because of the extra work he does, his appeal is just that much greater than uh, than Tander's at the moment. Mm. It was also interesting when you uh, found out how much money people had available to buy drives, and uh, there was quite a bit of money floating out there for some unsuccessful bids to get on the grid. Yeah, and the I mean the interesting part there when you talk about it is that it's some um, sometimes it's not just about how much money is on offer; it's about um, what they people think will bring to the team. So, like, let's say you had you know Michael Patrizzi and Jason Barguano each with a million bucks in their pocket. Um, which one do you go for? Um, and interestingly, I mean, Techno went for, for Michael Patrizzi. Um, I don't know whether Bargs actually spoke to them or not, but, um, you know, the theory there is, you know, Patrice is a younger bloke on the way out, Bargs is an older bloke on the way out, and uh, who's going to give us more to help develop the cars and who's going to do the most amount of damage? And I would have said you could argue between Patrizzi and Bargs that, you know, the damage bill was going to be pretty hefty either way, so... I don't think that could be a factor, but you know, it's just yeah, it's just interesting when you really start talking to people about how they make their decisions. You know, you talk to a guy like Gary Rogers, um, who had you know lots of big offers from all around the place, uh, from people with money, and uh, yeah, he ended up going with the international to do the to do the job, and um, you know, that's quite an interesting step on his part as well. Mm. Now, Tony, you get to see a lot of facets of sport, and a lot of these dollar figures getting talked about, whether it be through the storm all the AFL clubs in Melbourne that you're involved with and, of course, then off into uh, motorsport and other sports as well. What were your thoughts on when we talk about the driver's pay? Yeah, I suppose I wasn't too surprised. I, I, I thought that most of the guys would be on where they were about. Uh, I'm a massive believer that people in sport need to get remunerated according to what they bring to the sport and how well the sport does because of them. Because we've got to remember at all times, in football, in cricket, in motor racing, it's the players, it's the drivers that are the entertainment. I mean, if these guys weren't there doing what they do, then we wouldn't have a show to follow. So whatever, a, a certain percentage, and a decent percentage, needs to go to those guys for the income that is derived from uh, from the sport due to their performances. And uh, yeah, look, I've got no problems with uh, you know, some drivers getting a million dollars, three quarters of a million dollars. At the end of the day, it's a commercial agreement as well, isn't it, with them and the team. If the team believes that that's what they're worth, then good luck to them. I mean, they've been able to, to do that. Is James Courtney worth what we're talking about? I mean, at the moment, you could probably say no, based on performances. Mm. But, you know, he does all that extra stuff around and things will change, I'm sure, for James, and uh, then we'll all be talking about, you know, he's probably worth more at the end of the day. Hmm. Uh, what's a guy like Jamie Inkup worth, really, guys, in, in proper value? Uh, what, what was the final figure for Jamie, Andrew? Uh, 900, 900,000. Uh, 
you see, you could easily say that Jamie Wincup's worth much more than that. You could, you could easily, you could easily have Jamie at around about the one point five, couldn't you? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, two, champ- two championships in a row. Oh, yeah, but it comes back to other factors. It's like, you know, is, is Jamie Winkup's job simply to win races um, or is it to do the other parts of the sport that help bring in the sponsorship and the revenue? So, you know, are you a racer or are you a businessman, I suppose, in some ways is the, is the discussion to be had. And, you but know, Jamie like Jamie both, he's, he's a sensational driver. I mean, yeah. you know, if he's not the class of the field, then I'll go jump at the moment. Um, but, you know, does he have that off-track appeal, you know? Like Craig Lowndes, you know, if you were, you know, running a team, who would you have, Wincup or Lowndes? Well, um, if I wanted to make money, I'd have Lowndes any day of the week because I'm going to sell so many T-shirts um, that I could probably fund my racing for the next 10 years. It's probably yeah. safe and, to... And it's relative to guys also. I mean, when we, when we talk about Formula 1 and we're talking about drivers in Formula 1, getting $10 million. I mean, we're talking about budgets that are 10 times the amount what these V8 supercar teams mm. are spending, if not more. So I suppose through the ranks, it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah, but I guess sure the, is. the critical thing when we talk about Jamie Winkup and his pay with uh, Craig Lowndes, whilst Jamie Winkup's and Craig Lowndes together, Jamie can just worry about racing because Craig's there and he's doing the merchandise side of things. Not that he's not driving well, but... Jamie just has to worry about driving. Now, when Craig Lowndes does step down, which we know is in three years' time in all likelihood, then that's when Jamie Wincup has to step up and take that personality role or Roland has to get another driver in to play that role. And that, that's the business case for the way they've structured that team. And, Andrew, you know that better than most because you've worked inside that team through uh, the publications you've done in the past. Yeah, and I mean the interesting thing there is that you know, like you can't suddenly make somebody become extroverted in that sense. You, you can't tell Jamie Winkup, you know, go out and smile and sign autographs when his mind is so deeply entrenched in what he's doing that it just isn't going to happen. Um, and everybody processes them in different ways. And I remember I did an interview with Lowndes once and we were talking about how you deal with the information that's coming to you. And Lowndes said, you know, he sits there and they fire it all at him from the data and he looks at the traces. Then he goes outside and signs autographs. And while he's signing autographs, his mind is ticking over and analysing it. And he said half an hour later he can walk back in there and he has the solution that will work for him. Um, Wincup, on the other hand, sits there and just analyses and analyses and analyses and analyses and analyses and eventually comes up with the solution. So the fact is, their brains work in different ways, um, and you can't change that. You know, it's like you know, and I'll bring in a football thing for you because I remember talking to Matthew Lloyd about Lance Franklin, and he said you couldn't try to teach Lance Franklin to kick straight because you would stifle every other part of his game that is exciting. And it's the same thing with Wincup. You can't teach him to go out and sign autographs because you're going to take away his ability to do what he does best, which is drive cars and win races. And it's funny you bring it up, Andrew, because I always laugh when we talk about non-championships rounds like the Grand Prix and people say, you know, oh, they're going to hold back a little bit. There's no way that you could get Jamie Wincup to ever step in a car competitively and actually decide that he's going to turn himself down to 80%. Uh, no, as soon as they sit in that seat and they turn on the engine, they are 110% every time, whether it's testing, whether it's a race, whether it's just a drive day. Mm. Well, we had a race on the weekend, and on the other side of this break, we're actually going to talk about it. This is the Bad Insiders. 
Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, Andrew Clark from VX Magazine and Tony Shebecki from On The Grid on SEN. And uh, Tony, you were rightly pointing out that when the drivers get on the grid, all they want to do is race. And we saw two very interesting racings on one of my favourite circuits on the championship at Simmons Plains. Talk us through, we see Saturday, Will Davison and Sunday, Jamie Winkup, an exact mirror image of what we saw in Adelaide. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? And uh, it was an amazing Saturday with uh, the FPR grabbing another one-two. And uh, I think everyone's looked at each other and thought, my goodness me, how much worse could this get for Holden at this point in time? With uh, Ford doing so well in Clipsal, Ford doing so well in the non-championship round of the Grand Prix, and then starting off Tasmania with another one-two. And uh, it was just uh, cheers and, and celebrations for the Blue Oval. But yeah, you're right, that was totally turned around. On the Saturday. Having said that, though, uh, and I wasn't at the race, guys, and uh, I'm not sure you were, but from what I saw on the television, uh, that was Mark Winterbottom's race to lose, wasn't it? In the end, with that uh, with that stalling in the pit stop, he doesn't have that. He probably goes on and wins, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Andrew, what were your thoughts? Oh, I'm not totally with Tony. Like this was uh, this was Frosty's again, and uh, I mean, I think Frosty's going to get better as the year goes on, as he gets more mo- movement back into his ankle and all those things. He'll be able to, to deal with issues like that. I mean, I haven't seen or heard yet what the reason for the car stalling was, but uh, you know, clearly Frosty, when you saw the footage, he was pretty upset about the whole process. Um, but you're right, Craig. I mean, that is Simmons Plains is just a crack of a track. You know, one mistake, you know, like we talk about Clipsal or Indy or, uh, sorry, Gold Coast, where if you hit, you know, one mistake, you hit the wall. Or one mistake in Tasmania and you're a lap down. You know, just blink and, and the next thing you know, these guys have gone past you. And especially if you have to uh, to go into the pits at the wrong time or make an extra pit stop or something. So, you know, it's a great track for motor racing, you know, and then it, it tests the cars and it tests the drivers. And, you know, I thought we saw some pretty good racing there. Um, not as, you know, like, not knock them out, drag them out stuff like clips all but uh, you saw some good strategy going on you know you saw how important it is to get out of the pits with jamie wincup almost understeering into the sand trap you know and uh, yeah uh, definitely fpr is on the money at the moment and uh, you know will davison's getting the best out of it instead of frosty mm. and although you cannot afford to make a mistake at simmons plains jamie wincup on sunday tony spins the car around and then drives it to victory. I always think of the uh, Danny Sullivan spin under Mario Andretti whenever I see a spin to win at uh, any sort of motorsport because, of course, that one at the Indy 500 is one of the most famous. But, uh, gee, Jamie, just both races he's won this year, he's done it with adversity. This time he looped the car around in the hairpin. At Clipsal, of course, it was because he had to do a three-stop strategy, not a two-stop. Once again, though, and congratulations to Jamie. I'm sure he would have been massively cursing himself when that spin happened. But 
had it not have been for uh, for Frosty having the stall in the in the pits, I'm just wondering whether Jamie actually would have got to where he got, and uh, it may have been another loss for uh, for Team Vodafone. At the end, it wasn't though. They got up and got the win. Uh, have we known a team to have any more bad luck than FPR in pit lane in the last couple of years, boys? Yeah, but how Everything much... Everything that could happen has happened. Hmm. But, Andrew... We've had, we've had cars catch on fire, we've had stalling cars, we've had cars falling off jacks, we've had everything. But, Andrew... We've even had cars coming into the pit stops when there were no tyres or people ready for them. I'll try again. Andrew, FPR's failings in the pits has always been FPR's fault. Oh, I think their whole... Yeah, they've had a lot of issues with strategy as well throughout the whole process. I mean... You know, I think I wrote somewhere at the start of this year that um, if FBR can think of any new ways to lose a race, I'd be quite staggered because um, I think they've found just about all of them so far. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, as I say, we need to we need to know exactly what happened to Frosty's car. You know, was it a driver error because of the angle? Was it a driver error because he was in la-la land? Or was there actually a mechanical issue starving the car of petrol or something along those lines? You know, without that knowledge, it's a bit hard to, to comment. But... Uh, you know, FPR and their pit stops, you know, it's just like you, you, you kind of look at it sometimes and you just think, oh, man, you know, should have been another one too. Mm. It was interesting, again, because uh, what we saw at Clipsal was the extremely fast refuelling of FPR. It looks like that uh, Roland's, uh, Roland and Adrian Burgess have gone back up to uh, Queensland there and said, right, how can we get this fuel in the car quicker? Because, Andrew, they were electric with just their fuel times. Well, it's not just the fuel, um, you know, it's not just how much, oh, sorry, how fast the fuel goes in. Um, it's actually how... Um, much fuel you use in the case so you know i mean i know you have to use a certain amount of fuel to do it all but um if you can stand stationary for less time because you're putting less fuel in there are big advantages in that and fpr clearly have a very good balance between um, power and economy whereas if um team vodafone strangely um seems to be more more power over economy um and you know one of team vodafone's strengths for the last probably five years has been their fuel economy um, so it's quite strange to see that turned around on its head a little bit. Hmm. Well, guys, some of the other noticeable efforts from the weekend was Will Davison and Craig Lowndes getting together. I saw it as a racing accident. What about you, Tony? Yeah, pretty much so, Craig. I think a lot of people do. I tell you what, Will copped it a fair bit on Twitter too from a couple of uh, people. There were some pretty nasty comments towards him, and I think that goes to what we were talking about five minutes ago with Craig Lowndes' popularity. But no, look, I thought it was a racing incident. I'm 100% certain that Will didn't intentionally do anything. Uh, and Craig trying to go around the outside, it was just really unfortunate for him. And it was just one of those things where, was, you know, Will, uh, his teammate Jamie was able to spin around the track. Uh, Craig unfortunately went straight into the wall. And that was it for him. So uh, unfortunate. But yeah, you're right, a couple of great noticeable uh, drives, especially on a Saturday. The one that really impressed me was Taz Douglas, boys. How good was that? And how good was it for Lucas Dumbrell to finally taste? Well, it wasn't a podium, but gee, it, was a, it was a bit of success for the team. Mm, and another Triple Eight car doing well, Andrew. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think you know, that's one of the, the factors for Lucas Dumbrell is the deal that he's done with Roland Dane this year to uh, help get the car up and running and to maintain it and get it tracking. And I think you're, you're going to see leaps and bounds from there. Um, no reflection on, on um, you know, Warren Luff versus Taz Douglas, obviously. I think the car's just in that much better shape now because of the deal that's been done. So, yeah, very impressive effort. I Like Tony, I was, I was blown away by it. I, I looked at the grid sheet and I just thought, 
as Douglas, where did everybody else go? Did it rain or something? You know, but no, it was a fair dink of effort. And, uh, you know, like Jonathan Webber, who we know has got speed, um, you know, maybe now we're going to sit back and watch for Taz Douglas to do some amazing things in qualifying. Mm. And, of course, uh, when we're talking about other other things going on in V8 supercars, one big announcement coming up at the New York Motor Show is the unveiling of the Ultima, the Nissan Ultima, which will be the uh, car of the future in V8 supercar racing. And, Andrew, a lot of interest around how this car will turn out on its first race in 2013. Yeah, I mean, the beauty of it is that you know, it is a parody-based motorsport, so, you know, you could go out there and, you know, put a bloody brick on wheels and they'll uh, make it perform at the same speed as the other things. So, you know, I don't think there's any stress level over whether or not it's going to be competitive. Um, the only solution is going to be, will Kelly Racing do a good enough job with it? Um, you know, I don't think anybody will be able to say, oh, the Nissan's slippery or the Nissan's this or the Nissan's that. Um, you know, they'll get it spot on. Mm. I reckon to get a good V8 engine, no, you need two bricks. I don't reckon you could get it on one, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yes. Okay, and uh, finally, Dick Johnson Racing, as we wrap it up here on the roundtable for another week. Dick Johnson Racing, uh, Tony, where where are they going to go? They knew they were going to be doing it tough this year, but I don't think they expected it to be this tough. No, exactly. Maybe they've bitten a little bit more off than they uh, can chew, boys, at this point in time, Dick Johnson Racing. I'll tell you what, we talk about pit stop dramas uh, for FPR in the last couple of years, haven't there? just been corporation dramas, I suppose, with DJR, with uh, the, the situation a couple of years ago with uh, with Charlie leaving the team. And then DJR, uh, DJR I reckon, had a probably pretty successful year last year by uh, by standards, and then this year it's just gone all backwards again. I mean... There's uh, something going wrong there, definitely, and they need to get to the bottom of it. Otherwise, we're going to lose uh, one of our uh, one of our favoured teams. I suppose they've got a fair bit of support out there uh, in the public, and of course, uh, with Dick Johnson, the name there, they've even got just you know more support than than most. So, yeah, something needs to be done. Something needs to be done uh, quickly. Mm. Of course, Andrew, they've they've done a lot of rebuilding, and when you speak to Stephen, who's now taking a more hands-on role in the team, he's confident that they've got the building blocks in place. They just don't have the funding to put into a car that's obsolete. Oh, I'm not so sure that that's the reason. I mean, I, I had a good chat with Steve at the Grand Prix, and uh, he, his indication wasn't that there was an issue with the cars. What he said was, we've got backing, we've got funding, we've got everything we need. The struggle for him is getting the right staff to come over and join the team. Um, and what you're finding is that as the teams are getting bigger and stronger... You know, some of the teams have obviously got a little bit more money or a little bit more success and they're grabbing the right engineers. And, you know, Johnson's at the moment finding it harder to attract the, the right people. And I think, you know, a year or two of, of you know, stability as a business, as a company, I think will make a big difference to any budding engineers who are thinking of joining the place or, you know, seasoned engineers or experienced people, you know, that they, they're not going to give up, you know, working for HRT or Team Vodafone on, to join Dick Johnson Racing unless... They're confident that they're going to be able to pay their mortgage in 12 months' time. Mm. And, of course, uh, on another Ford-related topic, Stone Brothers Racing uh, going from strength to strength as well. So you've you've got this real problem for Dick Johnson Racing is FPR, Stone Brothers up the front, and here's DJR towards the back and going to Ford. We want to keep some of your money. Well, that's always a factor is, you know, how do you, how do you encourage people to... Uh, to um, you know, to, to keep on putting money in, especially if it's the same product. 
Um, you know, and we saw it years ago when it was things like cash troll and all of those kind of things. You know, how do they keep putting money into X, Y, Z? You know, when somebody else is winning or losing. Um, at the end of the day, it's not actually about winning on the track that matters. What matters is is what do people think of you as an entity, and does it actually convert a potential holding person to a Ford sale if you're Ford? Um, at the end of the day, it's so important that Ford keeps Dick Johnson on side and as a part of the Ford family, and for that point alone, they'll keep on funding him. Mm. Tony? I was going to say, just ask the, uh, the Williams F1 team boys about uh, not winning. I mean, how long has it been since they've actually won uh, a championship or races, consecutive races anyway? Uh, it's just about survival, isn't it? You're just going to keep your nose in front and just keep competing and competing strong. And you want to be, you know, DJR want to be up there top 15 most races. They don't want to be bottom... Yeah, well, bottom 15, unfortunately, that's where it is at the moment. Once you start putting in those performances on a regular basis, then people look at the, uh, they stack up, am I going to put my million dollars here? Am I going to put my million dollars there? And uh, I know which one I'll be uh, you know, picking if that was still the case at the end of the year. Mm. And finally, the uh, 16 days till the uh, king of New Zealand jumps back in the car. But, Andrew, do you think the uh, back problem is going to keep him out of his home country race? No, not in a million years will it do that, um, you know, this is Murph, this is New Zealand. It's uh, like you imagine saying to Murph, you're not going to run a, a Bathurst, you know. I think there are two things that, you know, Murph would go through even if you'd lost an arm or a leg and he'd race at Hamilton or he'll race at Bathurst. So I don't think there's any dramas at all. He'll be there. Mm. Well, Tony, SEN's on the grid, available to everyone in Melbourne and around Australia via the website, and uh, it's back up and running once again every Sunday morning. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, eight till nine on a Sunday morning, Craig, and uh, you can also download the iPhone app if you like as well, or the uh, Android app, and uh, listen to us on there. So eight till nine Melbourne time, whatever that equates to in your part of the world, and I uh, would love to have you on board. And of course, uh, Andrew, uh, we can go further into those driver's salaries picking up the latest edition of V8X magazine. Yep, sure can. And, uh, you know, just to, to echo Tony's thing, I actually listen to SEN on my iPhone app as well. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to do. And uh, I love getting up on a Sunday morning and uh, catching a bit of motor racing with him. Mm, well, I don't have And to... your salary's just gone up too. Thank <laughs> you. Okay, that's good. That's what I was after. <laughs> uh, hey, I don't have to say listen to it on your, listen to V8 Insiders on your iPhone app because you're probably doing that already on your iPhone or iPod. After the break, the white flag lap here on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, we're joined by a man that we were hoping we'd be doing this segment in particularly, wrestling with David in the main game for the entire season. But we've managed to get it on here after Simmons Plains. And David, an interesting weekend for you, subbing in for Greg Murphy in the Pepsi Max Commodore. And uh, I guess there's one great thing is uh, if you like the Pepsi product and you had it all on hand right throughout the weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks, Craig. Um, mate, it was uh, look, it, it was it was pretty exciting time. Um, you know, this time last week, I got a call and and it was, um, what are you up to next? Uh, you know, what are you up to this weekend? Um, from Todd Kelly, and he uh, he basically just said, you know, look, this is what's happened with Murph, and um, you know, it, 
it was a great weekend. Good for experience, and, and was great to um, you know give ourselves a chance to um, get in the main series. And yeah, I guess it was just just all about learning. And you know, for me, the goals were to keep the car straight, and uh, you know, to, to not get involved in uh, any any incidents out on the track that could you know be you know a significant point in someone's championship. Because I'm well aware that I wasn't in it for points. So. Mm. And, of course, they always say when you get in a race car, drive it like you stole it. And on Sunday, not only did you drive it like you stole it, you blew the thing up as well. No, well, I didn't blow it up. It, <laughs> it just it split an oil line. That's that's all it did. And, look, it was pretty disappointing. Um, we, uh, yeah, Sunday's race, we, we had a, a pit stop drama, which um, which cost us a lot of time. And when I headed back out on the on the track, uh, you know, Simmons Plains being such a short track, you look in your rear vision mirror and here's, um, here's uh, the trio of, you know, Lowndes, Winterbottom and uh, Will Davison fighting it out and I, I knew I'd have to yield to them otherwise, it, um, otherwise, you know, being a car that was potentially, especially a car that was potentially just about to, to get lapped, I, I wouldn't be able to uh, make it hard for them. So that was uh, disappointing to, to have to let them pass and have the safety car come out and uh, that at that particular moment that's what ruined our race because we had no chance of get, getting back on the lead lap then um, because the rest of the train caught us but um, yeah look the, the, it was a bit smoky in the bandit style with two laps to go <laughs> I, I split an oil line and and uh, the guys actually said to me um, you know I, I, um, I, I flicked the engine off uh, I think it was was literally two metres before it actually lost oil pressure. Um, so they said, you know, you're well and truly onto it there on, on that side of things. So um, they were full of praise on that side of it that I didn't damage anything in the engine. Mm. Now, of course, the step up to a solo main game drive to what you're doing in the Dream Team car, in the Dream Time car, and then what you did in the Enduros last year. Can you quantify the difference? Oh, look, for me, the biggest thing, um, you know, at the back of my mind, uh, that, that like, like on the weekend, the biggest thing is, obviously, you don't want to try and go out there and, um, you know, to, you know, bash and crash your way, try and get through the field. You know, the, I was happy just to try and stay out, you know, stay out of trouble, um, do it, you know, do a good job, a solid job. But, um, you know, the biggest thing, first time on soft tyre, first time at Simmons Plains on a... Um, uh, in a V8 supercar, I hadn't been there for eight years, and look, I, I was happy to um, to make sure I did did the right thing and listen to the team, and um, you know they were pretty clear about my instructions as well. So, um, you know, the biggest thing was getting onto the soft tire, and look, uh, qualifying 25th on for you know my first qual for the weekend. Uh, you know, I was in front of some um, some regulars, which was good, and we managed to get up to 21st position, um, which was good. Still in front of a few regulars, and um, and they were all passes made out on the track. Um, you know, there was there was some, you know, where where it took, you know, to uh, to get cracking on the hard tire and in between on pit stops and all that sort of stuff. And the Pepsi Max crew did a good job um, in pit stop there, which which helped out and certainly. Um, gave us a good edge to then try and catch the guys when I went onto the soft tyre. So all in all, great experience for me. Mm. Now, obviously, the goal is to get into that main game in 2013. What can you do between now and then to get yourself ready for the car of the future and what that's going to mean for your driving and driving styles? Oh, well, I think, Craig, the, the, the biggest thing, um, there's, there's going to be a big change in from the current V8 supercar spec um, to then car of the future. So... Uh, you know, obviously my background, um, 
being in um, Porsche Carrera Cup, um, doing GT racing, um, be racing in the, the, the Lamborghini again um, at Phillip Island. So uh, sort of having done some of those GT rounds and, and, and holds me in good stead, I guess, when the car of the future comes around to start um, driving that, having a good understanding of how that car works. Uh, so, look, that's something I, I definitely look forward to. I hope I get a chance to, to drive um, the uh, Kelly Racing um, spec um, car of the future that, that obviously they'll be testing sometime this year. I'm sure I'll get a chance to do that, and uh, I look forward to it. Mm. And, of course, between now and then, you're a gun for hire if anyone else wants uh, to <laughs> <laughs> sub out for a round. Like, bridey has got some dodgy ribs. You'd be tapping him on the side going, hey, how you going, Bridie? Yeah, oh, that's right. I think I might just stick, stick to the uh, to the Kelly camp. Uh, you know, that, that's that's um, they got four cars, and obviously, uh, you know, Todd injured himself. I, I thought, what's going on here? You know, but um, look, it, it's great. The guys obviously have um, um, you know have, have a lot of confidence in me to to be able to do the job for them, and you know, I've I've got um, my commitments with Dreamtime Racing as well, which is which is fantastic. We've got. Um, got Barbagello that's uh that's coming up for the next development series round and and uh yeah the boys have um you know got some work to do on the on the cars which they which they're they're currently um you know going through at the moment so you know we'll we'll um hopefully have a test day before Barbagello and and come out strong there and obviously we've got some test days before the Enduros and all that sort of stuff but um as you say yeah I've got a few other race meetings going on and it's uh, it's it's uh, you know it's exciting to go and drive some of these other cars as well and as I said some of these things will have a characteristic to the car of the future and uh, you know some of those things I think you know some guys have been driving V8 for a long time are going to find it a little bit difficult to adjust to these new style cars and these more modern style cars that we're going to be driving next year. Mm. Well, David, always a pleasure to catch up with you and uh, we hope we get to uh, go rustling with you in the main game very soon again on V8 Insiders. Great. Thanks, Craig. Hope that's the uh, that's definitely the plan anyway, mate. So. Mm. Thanks again and uh, talk to everyone soon. My thanks to David Russell there, along with Andrew Clark and Tony Shebecki. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.